0: Well, good morning. I am super excited to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brett West. I'm one of the pastors here, but I'm also the church planter here at Deer Creek. And guess what? We are about four months away from launching a church plant out of this place called Elevate Hope Centennial. Pretty awesome. Yes. Yes. So this might be, and I keep saying this, but then Dwayne, keeps going having surgery or whatever, so I keep preaching. But this may be my last time preaching here before the church plant launches. Uh, So this is super exciting. I've been here three years getting ready for this. You guys have been so faithful, giving, praying, supporting. You've let me learn here. Uh, How many of you remember my first sermon? Yeah, me neither. But I am super excited. So Elevate Hope Centennial, we're going to meet at uh, Homestead Elementary School in Centennial about four months from now. We have about 27 adults and 26 kids. Isn't that awesome? And we are meeting together and we are figuring out how are we going to love the community, serve that community. Um, I was going to have Elevate Hope core team kind of stand up, but then someone said, hey, it's Memorial Day weekend and, you know, a lot of us are gone and you'll raise your hand. It's like, oh, nobody's really into this thing. So trust me. There's 27 adults and about 26 kids. But this is awesome, you guys, and I uh, just can't thank you enough for, for being on this journey with us and seeing God do this in a new place. It's pretty awesome. Well, before I jump in, I do want to mention this. You know, summer is the time, especially in the suburbs, right, we, we kind of scatter and maybe we feel a little more isolated than normal. And so we actually have a small group season that launches and starts and goes through the summer. How many of you knew that, that we actually do that? So awesome. The cool thing is, is summer groups, actually you can register today. So go on our website, sign up, and they actually launch June 2nd. So if you're going to be around, get into one of those, uh, have some community. If you hate your current group and say, man, I just want an out, this is your out, join a new group. Uh, Kidding, hopefully you don't hate your current group, but there it is. Well, we are in a series called the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about what I think is one of the greatest discourse is the greatest sermons given by Jesus. There is so much packed in here. And so if you're new with us, that's what we're doing. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. I'd encourage you to, to listen in, watch those online if you need to catch up. But today we're talking about what is called the Golden Rule. Uh, and the Golden Rule, you know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that if you're not a church churchgoer, if you're not familiar with that, maybe you don't know, but But the golden rule is one of those things that's like, yeah, you know what? You probably know what that is. You probably know what it says. It goes like this. Do to others quickly before they have a chance to do it back to you. (laughs) That's not really the golden rule. Uh, We live in a house of of eight people. We got 40-year-olds in there. We got teens and and a dog and and a baby. and, And so sometimes that's our golden rule. That is not the golden rule. The golden rule, as Jesus says it to us, Matthew 7, verse 12, he says this. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. That's pretty simple, right? Actually, I would challenge you to think, through, think of a problem in today's society that would not be solved that could not be solved if we just obeyed that simple statement, if we just lived it out, if we treated others how we want to be treated. I can't think of one, at least not that many. This is it. I mean, this is the principle. If we did this, if the world did this, the kingdom of God would come. Our world would be changed. This would bring heaven down to earth. This world would be transformed. Imagine if we did this. But see, if you're like me, as soon as we say the golden rule, we realize the problem. We don't live this out. I don't live this out. You don't live this out. At least not consistently, not in the way that Jesus intends us to. You see, I don't always treat people how I want to be treated. Sometimes I I, I yell at people to stop yelling at me. Stop yelling at your sister. If you keep doing mean things to your brother, I'll throw all your toys in the trash. Stop name-calling you jerks, right? So I don't do this very well. I have this payback, me-first mentality when it comes to loving and serving others sometimes. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing with living out the golden rule? Well, Our society, if you you take any notice, and you probably do, our society is not doing too well at living out the golden rule either. A uh, famous pastor, a leadership blogger, Carrie Newhoff, said this. He says, our world, and I would add to his quote, our news feed that comes to us every day, seems like an endless drone of suspicion that feeds our anger, that spawns our outrage, that powers our division. That's our society. It's almost as though if you're not outraged and treat others poorly, you can't have an opinion at all nowadays. See, anger and incivility towards others gets you heard Even though you probably have nothing worthwhile to say. That's our society. We're not doing too well at living out the Golden Rule. And I'd probably be remiss if I didn't talk about the church, talk about Christians. How are we doing with living out the Golden Rule? Do we as Christians treat others with different political and social views how we want to be treated? You see, sometimes I know I as a Christian, we as Christians want to be heard without listening first to others. So we see the problem with the golden rule is that we can't live it out. It doesn't seem like it's possible. So how do we do it? I don't think Jesus put that out there just to frustrate us, just to say, hey, here's something you can't do. I don't think that's why he did it. I think the answer to Living this out lies in seeing it in its proper context. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the golden rule in the context that Jesus puts it in. Now, this saying wasn't unique to Jesus per se. He's capitalizing on some wisdom literature, on a wisdom saying. It's pretty common. He does a couple different things with it. But a lot of thinkers that came before Jesus, they phrased the golden rule negatively. So it went like this. It said, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So it's kind of a life of avoidance. It was kind of a life of not wanting anything bad to happen to you. You know, don't poke the bear. Don't whack a beehive. Live and let live. You know, however you want to phrase it, that's kind of the gist of it. Confucius did this. Uh, different rabbis did this. Conventional wisdom in the ancient world said, hey, if you want to be left alone, leave others alone. So phrased negatively like that, the golden rule actually seems possible. It almost seems doable as long as you don't have a roommate or a spouse or go to school or drive or go skiing, ever, or own a dog. You get the picture. But avoidance, this kind of way of avoidance is far from the way that Jesus preached the golden rule. He said, do to others. Don't just simply not do, do. Think through, how do I want to be treated? Go and do that. So the second way that the golden rule is stated by other thinkers was, do to others so that they will do good back to you. You give and you get. You know, it was a way to be treated well. So ancient Egypt around 1800 BC actually spelled this out. They said, do to the doer to cause that he do. Sounds like a lot of doo do. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it, it's basically, you do this so that you can get back. It just spells it right out. It's basically karma, right? Now, the funny thing is, before we kind of, kind of you know, look down on these, on these two ways of saying the golden rule, I think that this is kind of how we love and how we live in suburban life. Am I right? We live and be good in these ways. We just try to avoid others, right? Put our garage doors down, close our fences. You know, we, we kind of live into this isolated life. We avoid others. And hey, if I do good to others, then they'll do good back to me. So if I can avoid trouble, do good to good people, then good things will happen to me. That's kind of how we live a lot of times. In fact, we kind of hope sometimes that nothing does happen to us. And say, hey, if I live this way, maybe good things will happen to me. But honestly, I'd settle for just nothing happening to me. That's kind of how we live. And, and, and we even kind of get to the point where we think that that's love. There's so much talk about love in our society today. We're up to our eyeballs in it. Love is the answer. Love wins. Why can't we just love people? The world needs more love. Here's the problem. When we look at the golden rule... As Jesus said it, a lot of our love today is merely avoidance. We relabel that as tolerance or reciprocity, loving as a way to get. You see, most of the time, and I'm guilty of this, I think we're all guilty of this sometimes, most of the time our love is just an echo chamber. We love the lovable who love and agree with us, which causes those people to love us more in return. And we get nothing. Nothing grows, nothing develops, nothing goes beyond that echo chamber of love. But see, Jesus phrases the golden rule differently than just a moral platitude of either avoidance or giving to get. He changes it to a positive statement of do. Think through how you want to be treated and then go and do that to others. He changes it from selfish to selfless. He changes it from passive inaction to love in action. That's what he's commanding his church, us, his people, to do. But unfortunately, there's still a problem. His positive wording of the golden rule actually makes it harder for us to do it. Thanks, Jesus. I like the negative way better. I could actually kind of manage that. So if you're looking for his unique way that he phrases this positively to help it, it doesn't help us. We still have a problem. We can't do it. We don't do it. We can't live it out. So the reason that the golden rule is not transforming us, transforming our world like it should, we just can't seem to live it out. I can't live it out. So how in the world do we do what Jesus asked us to do? And I believe the answer lies in the context in which he gives us the golden rule. So let's go back to our Matthew passage. Okay, remember what the golden rule is. The golden rule is what? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, right? Wrong. You failed the test. I set you up. It's interesting. We pull that out of there, right? The golden rule is, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's the whole thing. It's not the fact that Jesus makes the golden rule positive that makes him different or that makes this something that we can do. There are two things that make Jesus' golden rule different than anyone who came before him or anyone who will come after him. And it's what comes before and after the golden rule. What do I mean by that? Let's take a look at it. What comes before it? The word so. The fact that Jesus' golden rule starts with the word so means that he's tying it to something else. The original Greek there actually has that word in there. It has a therefore, a so. So a translation that doesn't put that in there is not not quite going to get it. So what is he tying it to? Why is there a so at the beginning of the golden rule? let's, Let's back up. Let's go back to Matthew 7. Look at verses 9 through 11. They come before it. He says this, he says, or which one of you, we talked about this last week, if you were here, which one of you, if he has a son, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The so, in front of Jesus' golden rule, gives us the why. It talks about God's incredible, overflowing, extravagant goodness to us. So, go and do to others. It gives us the why. Now, how many of you have a problem doing something if you don't know the why? Teenagers, raise your hand. Why should I do to others Just to avoid pain, to get something back? And God just says, no. He says, why should we live out the golden rule? Simply because God is good to us. That's our why. So the golden rule without that so is just an empty bumper sticker. We just do it to do it. The so changes the golden rule from do unto others so that God and others will be good to you. It changes that To do unto others because God has done to you. And that changes everything. We love because he first loved us. So now we know the why. The why is the so. We know the what of the golden rule. But we still have a problem, right? What's our problem? You're going to get tired of me saying this. We still can't do it. So the last part of the golden rule, of Jesus' golden rule, tells us the how. So what does he say at the end? He says, for this is the law and the prophets. That's a strange thing to say. At that time, the law and the prophets meant the entirety of Scripture, the whole Bible. So he's saying, this is the entirety of Scripture, what I just said. Now the phrase golden rule didn't really, wasn't really associated with this passage until about the 1600s. A golden rule meant that in your field, in your area, a golden rule was something that unlocked the key to everything in that field. If you got this principle, if you got this thing, it would be a golden rule that would be the key to understanding the rest, like the law of threes in mathematics, something like that. It's so basic, it's so revolutionary, ah, I get it. So in fact, legend has that, I don't know if the story is true, but remember the negative phrasing we talked about, how, you know, don't do to others, that the rabbis would say. Legend has it that that came from somebody challenging a rabbi named Hillel to a showdown of sorts, you know, high noon. All right, I'll bet you can't do this. They said, summarize the entire Torah, summarize the entire Bible while standing on foot, on, on one foot, summarize the entire Bible to a Gentile. He said, you're on. And he did. well, I should probably do it. He says, whatever you do not want others to do to you, do not do to them. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and do. Wow. Boom. Rabbis one, Gentiles zero, right? He met the challenge. That's a legend. But that's where this idea of this golden rule, if we get this, this is the law and the prophets. This is the whole of Scripture. So what is the message of the entire Bible? And how does this one statement, how does the golden rule capture it? The golden rule is mentioned in another book of the Bible, the book of Luke, that might help us answer this question, take a deeper look at it. So let's go there. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now here comes the golden rule in Luke. He says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. But now listen to what he says. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, and listen to this, to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. That's a pretty incredible statement of how we should treat others to treat the world around us. So you see, the most common charge laid at the door of us as Christians is that we're hypocrites. Hypocrisy. We say one thing and we live another way. We pretend to be loving and holy and really we're sinful and vicious. See, hypocrisy means that there's a disconnect between what you say and what you do. And it's true. Christians, I am, Christians are hypocrites a lot of times. It's the number one excuse given by people outside the church why they don't want to come into church. Here's the problem. The golden rule makes hypocrites of everyone. It levels the playing field. The golden rule shows that hypocrisy is actually the charge against all humanity. We don't treat others how we want to be treated. It's an indictment of hypocrisy towards everyone. So, if you guys know Daniel Neal and he's one of our, our pastors here, uh, we were on a ski lift for going skiing, and it was one of those awkward situations where you're, you know, you're you're trying to sit together, and then one person squeezes in between you. And you kind of wish they weren't there. Um, even pastors do that. Um, so we are on the ski lift. The guy comes in. And we're all sitting there. Tim uh, was there. So a whole uh, chairlift of pastors and, and one other guy. And uh, this guy turns to Daniel, the Billy Graham of the West, basically. And uh, I start talking, about well, who does what? You know, of course. And Daniel's like, oh, I'm a pastor. And, and the guy says, oh, man you know, I gave up church. I don't go to church because that's just full of hypocrites. It's all, there's just, just hypocrites in church. Daniel goes, yeah. He said, I'm the worst one of them all. I'm the worst hypocrite I know. I'm, I, I, I just can't seem to get it right. And, and the guy you can see, he said, oh, no, 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 no. I, well, I am too. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I'm, I'm no different, actually. I I think church is probably fine. I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm just too bad to go there. I, I don't know. And I mean, just changed his whole, changed everything. You see, that, that, that accusation is leveled at the church and it's, it's true, okay? Where people that, that aren't perfect and don't pretend to be. But the golden rule levels that playing field and says, you know what, this is all ordeal, Because hypocrisy says you're a law unto yourself, how you want to be treated, and you break even your own law because you don't treat others that way. So Jesus says, don't just avoid bad people. Don't just love those who agree with you. Seek out and love your enemies. Don't get outraged about mistreatment and then go and mistreat others back. Be generous to people who don't deserve it. Now, here's the thing, our world needs to get better. Would you agree? We don't need to stay the same. We don't need the same amount of love. We need love to grow. We need love to change. We need things to be different. See, if we try to live out the golden rule by loving only lovable people, we will lend our love and we will get the same in return it will not grow. See, karma is a zero-sum game. It doesn't grow out anything. You see, love will not gain ground in our world unless we actually love our enemies, unless we actually pray for those that mistreat us. So how do we do this? How do we live out the golden rule as Jesus said? Finally, there's an answer. The answer is through him, is through Jesus. Jesus. You see, we can't live this out, but he did. Jesus was no, no hypocrite. He said, do these things, and he actually did them. He said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. In Romans 5, 8, the book of the Bible, he says this. He says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10 goes on to say, for if we were enemies, if, for if while we were enemies, We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Jesus died for me while I was still his enemy. He died for you while you were still his enemy. He looked and said, he can't save himself. He He can't pay for all this. He can't do this. Well, I was still his enemy going the opposite direction, shaking my fist at him. He died for me. Incredible. Jesus said, pray for those who abuse you while being killed on the cross. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. I can't, I can't remember a time when I prayed for someone as they were mistreating me. Even to the point of death, mistreating Jesus. He said, turn the other cheek when you are struck. Why did he say that? At the time, what would happen is the Roman soldiers, the occupying force would come through a town and they would mistreat the Jews. They'd start beating on them for no reason. They'd beat this one and they'd go on to the next one. And they'd beat that one and they'd go on to the next one and mistreat that one and so on down the line it went. So if you were struck and you turned the other cheek, that meant the enemy would continue to take their wrath out on you instead of a fellow Jew. See, turn the other cheek isn't just a stupid, impossible, moral platitude in the hands of Jesus. It's what he did. He lived out the golden rule by taking on the wrath and punishment due to us as sinners so that his people would be spared. He willingly offered up his life and did not demand it back. He didn't even demand a fair trial. Now he says, go, be merciful as your father is merciful. See, the whole message of the Bible, the entirety of Scripture says that we don't do to others what we want done to us. But through Jesus, we can because he did for us what we can't do for ourselves. See, God designed us for good, to enjoy him and be in the presence of his goodness. So the crazy thing is we don't even just not treat others how we want to be treated. It goes deeper than that. We don't treat God how we would want to be treated. We don't give him the time, the respect, the praise, the honor, the glory that we often want for ourselves. We don't treat God how we would want to be treated if we were God. But it goes deeper than that. We don't even treat ourselves how we want to be treated. You see, we were made for goodness and holiness and fulfillment and joy. We were made for an abundant life. And sin destroys that. It robs us of that. So when we sin against God who made us for a purpose, we don't even treat ourselves how we truly want to be treated. We dabble in in self-serving sex and money and anger and power and control, and it doesn't fulfill us, and yet we we keep doing it. We don't treat ourselves how we want to be treated when we sin against God. Do we see how deep this problem goes? This is the law and the prophets. This is the entirety of Scripture. But there's good news as well. See, the rest of Matthew 7, after the golden rule, says this. So he starts with the golden rule. He says, he ties it to God's goodness beforehand. And then he says this. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You see, it's a broad and easy path to not live out the golden rule. It's easy. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. In fact, it's so narrow that it's only one person wide. There's only one person who lived out the golden rule truly and perfectly. And that's Jesus. And Jesus describes himself not as a wall, inaccessible. He describes himself as a gate. In John 10, he says this. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. See, narrow is the gate that leads to life. The golden rule can only be lived out perfectly by God himself. And it can only be lived out on our behalf by another human representing us. So it took Jesus, fully God, fully man, who lived out the golden rule on our behalf, took the punishment for our failure to live it, and offers his forgiveness. The Bible also says this. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the law and the prophets. That's the Bible. You see, the whole world is drowning in hypocrisy. And out of his great mercy for us, God came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. Existing as God, with God before he was born, he came to rescue us from our hypocrisy. Jesus lived it with his life, his death, and through his resurrection, he is now the narrow gate through which we can live out the golden rule in his strength. It's only by his grace that we can enter through that narrow gate by faith in Jesus. And the Bible says this, it says, when we receive Christ, we get his spirit in us. We get the Holy Spirit. And what the spirit of God does is it empowers us to live like he asks us to live. Try for a moment living out the golden rule on a consistent basis in your own strength. You can't do it. But through Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit to give us the power to do it in the forgiveness when we fail. The power to obey and forgiveness when we fail. That kind of power will change the world. The world cannot remain the same unchanged with that kind of power working through God's people. So now we know the why, we know the what, and we know the how. It's all packed in to Jesus' golden rule. See, the golden rule does not belong in the world of moral philosophy. It doesn't belong in the world of ought and should and try harder and do better. The only solution for a dying and hurting world is the power of God lived out through his people. So now comes the hard part. We got to figure out what do we do with this this time tomorrow? What do we do with this Monday through Saturday? Well, as Jesus said, do it. Walk the halls of your school and live it out in his strength Live it out in your home, at your dinner table. Let it drive how your company does business, how you act at work, how you treat your boss and your employees, and how you treat your neighbors. See, sometimes it's harder to do this with the ordinary stuff in daily life, isn't it? It's hard to live out the golden rule. But remember, we're doing it in his strength. We know why we're doing it. We know how. So I've been having a lot of conflict with, with uh, my, my twin boys recently. They're almost 13, and conflict seems just on the menu every day. And uh, as I'm preparing this sermon, so I literally I prepare it in a closet in our house. It's the only place I've got in a house of eight people. Um, so I come out of that, that closet, and I come downstairs, and, and wham, conflict. You know, it's funny, as I've been preparing this, I've realized, you know, a lot of it is me. I don't remember what it's like to be 13. I don't remember what that's like. And so I just exert control and I, and I, and I don't treat them like I want to be treated. I don't do it on purpose. I, I just don't think of it. And so interacting with, it, with them in that way has changed everything. At least it did for a day or so. We'll try it this week. But see, sometimes it's harder to, to do this for ordinary everyday people in our lives. Right? So we go out and we we, we drive. And as we're driving, you know, if somebody is nice to us and, and lets us in, it's like, oh, no, you go first. No, I couldn't. I insist. No, you go in. And then, you know, you're in Utah by the time you change lanes finally. But if someone tries to pass you on the right, it's like, you know, you sort of get your, you know, get your speed up, brake check or two. You know, this is hard in the everyday stuff of life. But remember, we're doing this in God's strength let's get even tougher you know it's hard in the everyday stuff of life that's good but how do we as a church live this out in our cities how do we live this out in our nation how can the golden rule lived out by God's people help our nation our cities our communities this gets tough because see a lot of times like I deal with with my kids I don't put myself in the shoes of other people Imagine you you found out you were pregnant and were a place in life where that thought terrified and overwhelmed you and you were scared stiff. You had no one to turn to. Can the church love those coming in and out of abortion clinics? Imagine looking in the mirror and feeling so confused and repulsed by your gender like you don't fit anywhere. You feel lost, you feel ashamed, you hate your body. Can we show love to the transgender community? What about loving our public schools? Something we're not good at. Sometimes they're dealing with so much stuff right now. Now I'm not saying I'm, I'm I'm good at this. I'm not saying I do this well. I have trouble loving my own family most of the time. But we need to ask ourselves as followers of Christ: How do we want to be treated? Unseen, ignored, judged, loved? I'm not saying we accept everything and, and, and do that whole avoidance, tolerance thing. No, we dive in with the real love of Jesus. But we love how we want to be loved. We treat others how we want to be treated. Now, as we've prepared to launch Elevate Hope Centennial, our core team has been really trying to engage our community love the community. And a lot of times the response we get is, oh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll come to your, we'll try to come to your church or we'll, you know, whatever. Say, so, you no, know, that's that's not what we want. I mean, that's great if you do. But it's not why we're here, it's just to get you into our church. We're trying to go out and say, we want to show up where you're at. We want to be where you are. What things are you dealing with that we can help with? It's hard, it takes time, it takes a lot of energy. But it's been such a blessing to be in the community asking, what are your needs? What are your struggles? And so right now, all of us at Elevate Hope Centennial are kind of diving into who's going to do what. And who's going to engage our community? Who's going to attend city events? You know, who's going to lead Christianity's sport? All that kind of stuff. We're meeting with schools and and, and, and government officials and, and, uh, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and all that and saying, hey, we're here. We want to show the love of Christ in this community. We need more people. We'll probably be asking a lot of you in late summer, early fall, hey, come with us. You know, if you live near Centennial, you know, if that's something you care about, come with us. See, Elevate Hope Centennial, Deer Creek Church, must be known as people who love our enemies and who do good to those who currently hate us. And you know what? I, I, I think we are. I think Deer Creek is, is known for being that kind of church. But our goodness to society mustn't depend on their goodness to us. Just like God's goodness doesn't depend on our goodness back to him. So let me close with two practical things. You know, Maybe you're here and, and you've never put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, we talk about this power. We have this, the, we, we talk about this abundant life and, and maybe you've, you've said, you know what? I try to live that way and I can't. Well, you're right, you can't. And, and, and I can't, and none of us can apart from Jesus. If you're trying to do life apart from Jesus, you're right, you can't. And so right now, the good news is you can receive Jesus right now by faith. And if you'd like to do that, I'd just like to, to, to walk you through that. You can pray with me. It's not the words you pray. It's the attitude of your heart. But, but you can join me in praying something like this. Father, I have not treated others or myself or you how I want to be treated. I've sinned against you and, and I cannot save myself. You sent Jesus to be the gate that leads to salvation and leads to life. I trust in his life, in his death, in his resurrection on my behalf. And I accept your free gift of forgiveness and invite you to take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. Amen. Well, if that was you, if, if that was a, a prayer you prayed, something similar or, or a desire in your heart, that changes everything. You get to walk in new life now. You get to walk in the power of Jesus, of God's Spirit living in you, working through you to change the world, to know God. And so I encourage you to tell someone, tell us, write, write your name on, on, on the contact card and, and we'll get in touch with you and help you on this journey in your new relationship with Jesus. There's going to be people on either side that can pray with you if that's something you want to do. If not, you, don't, you definitely don't have to do that, but it's there well, maybe you're already a follower of Jesus and and, uh, if you're like me, it's a struggle. And so I've tried doing this. Of course, I I don't do it all the time to do it well, but maybe I'd suggest starting your day with a simple prayer, starting your week with a prayer. Maybe it goes something like, God, I know that I won't want to love people or treat them well today, especially ones that are hard to love like me but you have loved me so well, even when I haven't loved you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and giving me every good thing. Fill me with your spirit and help me to do to others what I would want done to me. Show me areas in my life, in my city, in my world where I can show your love. Let me start with those right around me today. Amen. This is hard. This is hard stuff to do. But let's go out in the power of God's spirit and because of his goodness poured out on all of us, let's do to others what we would have them do to us because Jesus has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. And that is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that we get to carve out and we get to be in your presence with other people who honestly sometimes are hard to love and and we are hard to love and it's hard for us to love you and others and especially when we're mistreated. God, I pray that, that we would realize the power that we have, that you have given us, that you have lived this on our behalf, that now we just get to cling to you in faith and say, God, I can't do this, but I thank you that you have. And I thank you that you are doing it on my behalf and doing it through me. And God, I pray that the world would not know what hit them when we go out and we live this way, when we do to others what we would have them do to us because you have been so good to us and because you have lived this out. Now we can go and do likewise. God, would you give each one of us strength? Would you fill us with your spirit and give us the power to do this? I know you will. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.